or one of those 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 kind of quotes that has always etched in my mind is something that Mark Zuckerberg said. He said, "Don't focus on the company you're building; focus on the impact." Mm. And that's something that I've always kept in the back of my head because if you focus on the impact, a company can essentially be born out of what you're doing. And so I was always focused on what's the impact I'm doing, what's the impact? Because if you're impacting one person's life, there's something that's going to come out from that, you know. And that's what you should focus on. What's going on, people? And welcome to 1000 Voices, where we are on a mission to interview 1000 inspirational Black Britons. So if you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new, then welcome for the first time. We hope you enjoy this episode we've got today. Now, today we've got a very timely topic, a very amazing guest with this cost of living crisis and the way things are right now. If you're anything like myself, you're probably thinking of either one, ways in which you can reduce your costs, or two, ways in which you can make more money. So without further ado, we've got the perfect, what would, what would you say? The chief side hustler, extraordinary <laughs> woman, amazing woman, wonder woman, Lorraine Wright, MBE in the building today. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Tevin. How are you? I'm all good. All good. And uh, yeah, happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, looking forward to hearing yeah, <laughs> gems and advice. And Let's see we, where we're we going to get to. We yeah. need it. We need it right now, man. So yeah, thank you once again for coming mm. to the podcast. It's much appreciated. So what we like to do is we like to keep things chronological. Like first okay. we'll start off with a bit of your upbringing and get a bit of some context. Mm. Then we go into the rest of the things and then you know wrap up. Mm. To start off with, for people who may not know who you are, do you mind giving us a very brief introduction into who you are and what you do? Okay, so um, I am a multi-side hustler. That's mm. what I do. That's what I love doing. So, you know, I have a nail salon in Accra, Ghana. I have a talent agency in the UK. I have an annual university gospel choir that I do as well. Um, and I also have a full-time job. So I work for Meta as well. So there's a number of different things that I do alongside my side hustles and my full-time job. When I was looking at your profile and I was seeing all them hustles, I'm thinking, my goodness, <laughs> like, how do you find the time? Because myself, I've got one hustle on the side. <laughs> struggling I'm up late and all of that yeah, so uh, it would be good to hear about how mm. you manage your time but we'll get into that uh, before we get into things yeah I'll start asking a new question at the start of the podcast mm. as well with everything that you do what's your why that drives you it's a deep question yeah. you know I I come from a family um, I grew up you know single parent household my mother and my father were both from Ghana you know they were they, they migrated over to the UK, didn't really have much money. You know, they were, I would say, you know, they started off as like cleaners, you know, very, very kind of working class or very even underclass, right? And so for me, my why is making sure that I give a head start to the future generation that come after me, you know, um, because we had to struggle. We had to struggle, right? So get into a perspective or get into a point where my children don't have to struggle, right? I want them to see me as a parent not have to struggle. So giving them a head start, right? You know, being in an environment, especially in the UK, where you tend to see a lot of old wealth and a lot of old money, right? That's because why there there was a parent or there was inheritance that was passed down. And I didn't come up in that, in you know, that, that wasn't somewhere, that wasn't in an environment that I grew up in. So I want to be able to get to a point where I can actually leave an inheritance for my children's children. That's my why. That's amazing. That's amazing. I feel like with that uh, 
with a lot of people, I'm from Ghana myself, mm. and a lot of people from the continent, essentially, whose parents, a lot of people here that, that are originally from the continent mm. um, are going to be first or second generation. Absolutely. A lot of people I come across anyways. And yeah. then you've got that similar thread, that similar narrative where parents have come over and they've done whatever job they can essentially do. Mm. They come over to give a better life to their children for future generations Absolutely. and whatnot. They do whatever job they can do. Mm. Um, and then we're here to carry on you know right. and take it further to right. try and take it a step further uh which is, is literally what you're doing because you've got a lot a lot of things you're working on i try it yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you feel that looking back at your childhood mm. and you running working a full-time job and having all of these other side businesses you're running at the same time is going to require a certain level of work ethic mm. do you feel that that's something that's come of yeah come from your childhood absolutely yeah so i mean i told you a story right when i was love stories. <laughs> <laughs> when i was around you know that time you get your ni card come through the yeah, door yeah, yeah. you know that time right like when it was a physical you card. know when it was like, <laughs> what is it not a physical card anymore well that time when that card it was like red and blue yeah, yeah, yeah. Color, right? i still got mine in my wallet <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that card was like your entry point to leave the house yeah, yeah, yeah. and growing up in a green in a, in a in a Ghanaian household like the chores my mom used to give me was like every Saturday morning I'll have to clean the toilet I have to clean the bathroom that was my my responsibility mm. but the moment that card came through the door that was my ticket out of the house <laughs> that was my ticket out of doing the mm. chores so I remember I turned 16 I remember I was like mom you know I want to get a job like because it was either study which yeah I was okay with studying or do the house chores, right? You can't mm. be in that bedroom gaming. You can't be in that bedroom <laughs> doing like watching whatever was coming on TV, mm. Nickelodeon or whatever those days, right? You had to be doing something. And so when that NI card came through the door, I used it as my ticket to get out of housework. That was literally my, that's where my work ethic came from because I just didn't want to do the housework and the house chores. So I remember there was one Saturday, my mom was like, hey, let's go. She, she dragged me down Capham High Street and literally took my hand. And I think we had my CV and she looked me, literally took me from shop to shop to shop to shop to shop. And I think we got to mother care and they were like, yeah, we're looking for a sales assistant. So handed in my CV and then got a call back, went for interview, and that was my first job. So I started working at Mother Care at the age of 16. And that was only because I didn't want to do housework. So that is where my literally my work effort started from. But honestly, just seeing my parents, you know, you just said, right, a lot of first generation or second generation immigrants, right, they were doing any job that they can do. But it's actually plural. They were doing multiple different jobs, right? And I just saw that work ethic from my parents, you know, my dad was a cab driver and he was a chef. My mom was doing various cleaning jobs. Still, you know, there was a lot going on. So I think I just saw that work ethic in my parents and was like, I mean, this is, I just saw it as this is what you need to do. This is life, you know, and if you want to have a good life or you want to at least have some money because I won't get in pocket money, you got to work for it. Uh, what was the career ambitions them times when you were younger? When I was younger, I actually very early on spotted the need for tech and being in tech. And, um, well, like most people, you want to be a millionaire, right? So that was the first, that was the first ambition. You want to be a millionaire, if not billionaire. Mm. I think I had maybe two or three different ambitions, right? So first one, millionaire, billionaire. Second one, I actually wanted to be a singer. And, you know, coming up in an African household, you, you have to be a lawyer, a doctor or an engineer, yeah. right? Okay. That's where the tech element came from because it kind of went into that whole engineer space. And um, the time that I was growing up, my mum, she managed to do pretty well. She kind of worked her way up to become a secretary or a PA. And she was working for BT at the time. And um, so I was one of the only ones in my 
area that actually had a computer. Those days, we actually like the computers, the big, those big computers. Mm, I show my age. Yeah. The big, big back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were literally one of the only ones in our area that had a computer. And you remember just sitting at the desk and you slide out the keyboard. And you, you know, you got those headphones, those speakers that every time your phone rings and those speakers are making them sounds. Yeah. So um, I, from a very early on age, was using WordR and using you know, doing a lot. So I was already seeing like, you know, there's a lot that I can be doing um, in that space. So for me, I just started my my journey when it came to studying. I was studying IT. When I was doing my A-levels, I was doing IT. So GCSEs, IT. A-levels, IT. Um, degree, IT. So just to progress me into work into the tech space. But I also wanted to always be a singer as well. And a millionaire. Yeah, billionaire. So right. yeah, those are my three ambitions. Nice. Any 1,000 Voices exclusive <laughs> <laughs> music? <laughs> No. <laughs> Maybe next time. Next time, yeah. yeah. But we can talk a little bit about how that dream is manifested. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can get into that for sure, actually. Yeah, mm. let's, let's do that. And, you know, as just before we get into that, as you're talking, you're saying all these different things. It's like all these throwbacks I'm getting. Like you're talking mm. word art, talking <laughs> yeah. physical CV. Nowadays, you don't do, if I walk That's into it. shop with a physical CV, yeah. you now they're going to look at me like I'm crazy. Exactly. What are you doing? Go on a play online. Exactly. You've got an iron number, yeah. all of those things. Big computer. Mm. <laughs> so many throwbacks. Mm. Like, oh, my gosh. Uh, but the music or the singing, mm. let's do that. Like, what yeah. happened? Is that did you pursue it when you were younger? Yeah. So one, as I said, one of the dreams I grew up watching, like, again, I'm showing my age here, but Pop Idol, and like, I was a huge fan of like Destiny's Child when it was like three or four or five different members. You know, they're always changing, isn't it? So I just saw like Beyonce. I just saw Kelly Rowland's. Like, I want to be one of them. You know, and um, at the time, like. For us, it was what you see on TV was you go through a competition, you become the next big star. Leona Lewis and and Alexandra um, Burke, all of those artists were going through those TV like competitions. Simon Cowell was there, he was sitting there and he was the one that was determining somebody else's fate. And but I wanted to be there, you know? That was that was me. And um, I just remember having that dream, but very early on, one of my passions was gospel music and gospel singing. And so I just joined my, I'm not a very good singer, right? But I love to sing. So the best thing for me was to join the choir. That way nobody hears my voice, but I'm still singing. So it blends, it blends out. So I joined my school gospel choir at the time. I then moved on. I joined my um, university gospel choir. And through joining the university gospel choir, um, that's when there was an idea that dropped into my spirit. And the idea at the time was I was watching um, my favorite movie. So Sister Act 2, you know, the movie Whoopi Goldberg, um, Lauren Hill. And, you know, you've got Whoopi Goldberg who's pretending to be a nun and she leaves this choir right to a championship final. And that that movie still comes on every Christmas right now. Right. Mm. It's still a classic. And I love it. But I watched it. I was like, hold on a minute. There's nothing like this kind of competition in the UK. So it dropped to my spirit and I was, at, I was in my uni choir at the time. I was like, let's have a competition for university gospel choirs. And that's where my competition, University Gospel Choir of the Year was born. And today we are 10 years in to doing that competition, running it every year since I was at uni. Um, so I pursued it. We'll be running it, running it, running it, being very consistent. And then remember that dream. My dream was to become a singer on TV. And a couple of years after doing um, University Gospel Choir of the Year, I got a phone call. And that phone call was from the X Factor. And they called wow. me up. 
And then I remember receiving the phone call, it was a private number, but I answered it. And they were like, hi, this is this Lorraine? I was like, yeah, it's Lorraine. They were like, hi, this is so-and-so from X Factor. I'm like, X who? <laughs> and um, they were like, yeah, we've been seeing what you've been doing. I was like, you've been seeing it where? And they were like, yeah, we've been seeing it on YouTube. I was like, on YouTube, I only have eight views. So, and I thought I'm like, I've been watching it myself. You know, those seven views, eight views were from me. So I've one from family. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, where did those come from? And then they're like, yeah, we saw, we see, we've been seeing that you've got a network of gospel choirs across the UK. We would like to tap into it. And um, from that, from then on in, I was now supplying singers to TV talent shows like X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, The Voice. So I had the dream, I couldn't necessarily sing, but I now am in a position where I can actually enable other people that have that dream to also be on TV. I love that story. Mm. Like, and it goes to show that you literally do not know who's watching. That's right. Because you're putting your stuff out there and then in your eyes, you're not getting the views that, mm. you're not getting that many views. But mm. then the right person was watching. Exactly. And saw, and then a massive door opened for you. Yeah. And then, you know, 10 years later, you know, so yeah. running and we're here. Yeah. Um, that's an amazing story. I love that, man. Mm. And I liked when you spoke about, you say you're not a good singer, but you love music. And mm. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> I, I proper, I love, love, love music. Yeah. Reminding me of the story when, well, my now wife, but back then when she was my girlfriend, mm. and she was this was early days, and she was ill, mm. and I wanted to do something corny and sweet, blah blah blah. So I sent her a video. I used to play the ukulele. No way! Yeah. <laughs> oh, for real? I don't come across me black. <laughs> really? Ukulele, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I still I sold it, but okay. then I can still play it. It's not yeah. that. Yeah. So I used to play it. Where did I, you learn to play the ukulele? Like um, I wanted to learn an instrument. Okay. And then I wanted. I just wanted something. Cause I always like things that are different. Yeah. So I was gonna buy a guitar. I'm like, everyone plays guitar. Yeah. It's always be different. Yeah. I just bought a ukulele. Like. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, yeah, literally. But I customized it. So you can because you can. I changed the string. Yeah. So it's got four strings in it. I changed the top string, which is G. Yeah. It was like a high octave. Yeah. I changed it to a lower, I took a guitar string, a guitar G and put it on there. So, so how did that sound? Like It's better, isn't it? It's still got the kind of jingly yeah. sound, but it's a bit more okay. full because you've got a deeper. Okay. It's a lower okay. octave. So okay. I done that, you know, customize it. One of a kind what? in the UK. Yeah. So did you manage to sell it for like some good money? Nah, then? Okay. Really. <laughs> I think I broke it. Then, okay, I sold it. And, uh, but I sang, oh, what song was it? Um, a country road song, Take Me Home, Country Road. <laughs> John Denver, real? that's it. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember <laughs> I sang that, it was mad corny. <laughs> but it obviously worked because yeah. now you're married to her. Not, so. not, not as bad a singer as I think. Eh? <laughs> there you go. So, there you go. <laughs> that could have gone one of two ways, you know. Hey, she could have blocked me. <laughs> exactly. Who's this weirdo? That, man? <laughs> so then yeah. we ran unsolicited singing videos. Right. I don't need none of that. <laughs> No, it worked. It was good. It worked. Uh, that's a sick I story. That. I love it. The UCKG, mm. University Gospel... Choir of the Year. Yeah. Choir of the Year, that's it. Was yeah. it the first side hustle you ran? It was. Well, even to be technical, the first side hustle I ran was selling like snacks on campus like when everybody okay. else was snap like studying in the library i was the one that went to costco to go and buy snacks and then put them in the trolley and sell them outside the library that was me you know mm. that was the side hustles that i started running so yeah what have you learned from running for well the snacks and then taking that forward to uckg mm. and doing that for the past 10 plus years what have mm. you learned uh, on your journey of the side hustling that like you said right actually there's a few things number one being consistent Right. For me, one of the most important lessons is I'm I just try to be consistent with stuff, try to see things through. You might start something, you might start a podcast, you might start a YouTube channel, you might just think, oh, no one's watching this. But give it a few years and you'll be like, oh, OK, there is something in this. You never know who you might, whose life you might impact that it could be just one person's life. 
that you impact, you know? I never knew halfway down the line that I'm going to be touching more than 10,000 different students or, sorry, that sounded awkward. That I mean, <laughs> uh, that actually mean. sounded <laughs> You know what you mean. <laughs> touching the lives yeah, yeah. Of, <laughs> yeah. of more than 10,000 students across the UK and working with different universities, right? And then getting an MBE out of it. But that was why, because I was consistent with it, right? So I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is just consistency. Um, one of the other lessons as well is that it doesn't hurt to just start small, right? And it doesn't hurt. You you never know where something can you know go. A lot of people are focused on, oh, I don't have the company registered. Oh, I don't have the funding to start. But you don't realize like one of the biggest lessons. I work for Meta. And I'm not just here to I'm not here to promote Meta or anything like that. But um, one of the sayings that I first remember, or one of those 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 kind of quotes that it's always etched in my mind is something that Mark Zuckerberg said. He said, don't focus on the company you're building, focus on the impact. Mm. And that's something that I've always kept in the back of my head because if you focus on the impact, a company can essentially be born out of what you're doing. And so I was always focused on what's the impact I'm doing? What's the impact? Because if you're impacting one person's life, there's something that's gonna come out from that, you know? And that's what you should focus on, yeah. Amazing. Uh, how many side hustles are you running now? Um, I've tried to double down a little bit just to focus a lot of my energy um, at the moment. So I, UGCY, um, UV Talent, uh, my shop in Ghana, my lashes business. Um, I mean, solidly, I'll say it's five or six. Um, but I'm saying that because some things are just just running like so you're not really doing anything on it like for example we've got a couple uber cars in ghana and they're just running you know mm. there's drivers driving it so it's just running so um it doesn't require much effort unless you're now starting to shout at the drivers and so, so on yeah. and so forth yeah. you know I so got, yeah i got so many questions when it comes to the side hustling mm. first one you're running five or six and then obviously they require varying different degrees of like your involvement but you know mm. <laughs> How do you even manage the time? Like I'm saying, I'm running one hustle yeah. and I'm struggling with time. I'm not going to lie, it's difficult. It is difficult. When I first started out, um, I had a lot more energy. So I think a lot of these started, and one of my biggest lessons for anybody who wants to start a side hustle is start as early as you can, right? Before like life gets in the way, you get married, you have kids, etc. Just start as soon as possible, right? That's my big... And I think for me, because I was able to start very early with a lot of the things I was doing, it gave me the chance to build the operational models around it so that they can just start running. But when you get to a point now, I'm just like, I'm struggling to actually find the time. Like my job is taking a lot out of me. Um, there's a lot of things going on. So I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that it's easy because there's not. And I would love my side hustles to get me to a point where I can actively just step away and be, I'm saying I'm good, but I'm not at that stage because it requires a lot of effort. So sometimes there's two schools of thought. There is, oh, why do you have so many different side hustles? Are they not all running like, you know, or focus on one side hustle, make that a success, take yourself out of work. So there's two different schools of thoughts, right? I'm just the kind of person I can't do one thing. That's just me. Mm. I can't do one thing. I like to do multiple different things. I like to have my fingers in multiple different pies. That's just me personally. It doesn't work for many people. And because I like it, that is the reason why I'm able to now split my time when I finish from work. I'm passionate about what I do. So I can now be, okay, now let me work on this. Okay, now let me work on this. So I have to code switch or I have to switch modes a little bit as well. So That's uh, on the side hustle piece. Yeah, some, Something I like to understand is 
um, opportunities. So mm-hmm. on your side, so I know you've got the UCKG and then the talent arm of that as well, which seems like it was just born from the competition Absolutely. itself. Yeah. And then you've got other businesses that aren't necessarily like exactly related, like mm. the lashes business, mm. the Uber, mm. um, and other things you're working on as well. Mm. Like, how did how do you spot those opportunities? Did you like do mad research and that kind of thing, or you just done things you liked and then? It's a good question. What? Really good question. And opportunities is key, right? For me, if I spot an opportunity, I like to just grab it. And I have started and I failed multiple different hustles. You know, I, I, and sometimes nowadays when you fail a side hustle is actually almost like a badge of honor because you know the next thing you're gonna do is gonna bo- like blow. And so when I spot opportunities, I just try and start it and try and do it. And um, one thing for me, if you know, um, I always use this example. Sir Isaac Newton, right? When he discovered gravity, he was sitting beside a tree or he was sitting under a tree. And then an apple fell from the, the tree or whatever, fell to the ground. And it said that he discovered gravity or he uncovered gravity. And the word uncovered means that something was there. And you simply lifted the lid of it to uncover it. So uncovered those two words, right? So something was there before. So when I look at opportunities, I see it in that way. I see that A, you have to be in the right place. So Sir Isaac Newton was in his garden when he saw the apple drop from the tree. He wasn't in a room somewhere, otherwise he wouldn't have discovered it, right? Mm. So he was in the right place. And number two, I am a great believer there's nothing new under the sun. You can do things in different ways. So you now need to start to add your perspective and look at how can you do something in a different way so for me when I see opportunities I'm like okay how can I do that slightly different it's like everybody has a YouTube channel how can you do your YouTube channel different everybody has a podcast how can you do your podcast different everybody has a shop how can you do your shop different right so when I see these opportunities I just see it as opportunities for me to look at doing something different that's how I do it so um, but it also means that you have to be in that environment why did I discover that there was an, I needed to try and get Uber cars into Ghana? It's because when I was in Ghana going around often, I didn't have my own car, but I was jumping in Uber cars. So I started speaking to Uber drivers. I was like, oh, and their cars aren't like our ones we have in the UK where there are the Toyota Prius, uh, how do you say it? Prius. Prius yeah. or the other cars. No, they're little small Nissan Micros or Kias or whatever. They're smaller cars. And I started conversing to them. And at the time, I didn't know the business model. And a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, we've got a car owner that we need to pay every single week. I was like, okay, so that means a car owner has purchased a car and given it to you as a driver to drive. I didn't know that model. Didn't It, it wasn't logic to me back then, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, okay, so how can I now get cars into Ghana, find drivers, drive on my behalf, and then give me the money, right? So why? Because I was using Ubers. So I, see, I saw the opportunity because I was in the environment, right? With my shop. I was going into Ghana, I broke a nail. I was like, I need to find a nail salon. I couldn't really find one. I wasn't, you know, I couldn't really find one. So I I need to develop one. So opportunities just arise because I'm in the environment and I create an opportunity when I see a gap. That's, that's I create I create something when I see a gap. Yeah, no, that's sick. I, I'm a strong believer as well in, um, in what you said. There's nothing new under the sun. Mm. Everything just gets cycle, cycle, mm. cycle. Flare jeans out of style. Now they're coming back in style. There you go. Skinny jeans weren't they, cool. They're that's cool. my point. You know, you know people like, were doing sl- these like yeah. styles, and now they're back in. <laughs> people would like yeah. Averexes were there. Now they're coming back. Yeah, like yeah. there I, is just. I see. I see a man with a little just do it bag. Remember there you go. Just those those bags that were yeah. like the, the you know not, not practical at all. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, just back. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're coming back. Like, everything is a cycle. Just, there you go. Um, that's sick. And then I, I'm a strong believer as well is that in order to see opportunities, you've got to get out 
as much as possible. Mm. Like so, and just put yourself out there and experience different things. Absolutely. So like you're talking about when you was in um you're in Ghana, you're traveling in, mm. you're in Ghana, um you're spotting cool, all right, then there's a problem with the Uber thing and I'm mm. talking to these people and then all right, you're getting a bit of an understanding. But mm. if you're sitting at home, mm. you, you wouldn't you would never clock right. that. You've got to get out there That's and right. try things and talk to people and experience things Absolutely. and read things and watch things and whatever. Blah blah blah. Mm. So I think in doing more of that, then yeah, we can spot more opportunities. Mm. My thing now is on the differentiation part. So mm. where it can get quite difficult mm. because like you're saying, there's loads of podcasts, loads mm. of YouTube channels, loads of salons mm. or whatever. Yeah. Like, um, but trying to find how to differentiate yourself can be quite difficult. Absolutely. And it's something I, yeah. I struggle with myself. Is yeah. that yeah. how you want yeah. a unique angle. Uh, how would you say people can best do that? Like they... Yeah, they they've got an idea. They love this industry. Mm. What can they? How can they differentiate themselves? It's a very great question. I think there's three points I want to say. The first one is understanding who your customer will be. The second one is understand what your value proposition will be, and the third one is do market research. Right? It could be in the reverse order. First and foremost, the market research. So I'm going to use a salon example because that one is the one that I've had to find a way to carve out my niche. Um, there are multiple. I mean, I can go. I live in Croydon, for example, and Talking about nail shops, there are ne- there are nail shops right next door to each other. I think to myself, there are barber shops right next. You can have a barber shop that's right next door to another barber shop. So sometimes, and logically, it doesn't make sense. But why would you go to one barber shop over the other one and they are directly next to each other? Mm. Yeah. So I start to think about that. And if you think about it, why? Maybe one barber shop has a good relationship with you. Maybe one barber shop's prices. Maybe another barber shop because. Um, when you go inside, it just looks nicer. Or maybe the other barbershop, one one of the guy you one of the guys that's cutting the hair, you used to know him from school or whatever, right? So you start to think about what are the various elements that makes you different. Um, but it takes market research. So for Ghana, I was living in the UK at the time. So what I did is I actually hired somebody to go out and look at the various salons and figure out A, what's their price points, B, what are they doing, what they what's their service like, etc. Right? Then you want to figure out, okay, who are the kind of customers you're targeting? Maybe the price point that your competitors are doing are maybe for a certain demographic and you kind of want to target maybe a different demographic. So you look at segmenting your your clientele, right? Your customer base and figuring out, okay, what's the personas of the customers you want to attract? And realize that, you know, cut your cloth according to its size or figure out that you can't be you can't serve everybody. You need to focus in on and segmenting your market, mm. right? Because it's like Kim Kardashian or Ken. What's the one that's got the big product lines? Kendall or Chris or oh, whatever. Um, I don't know this. Um, one of the Kylie. Kylie, right? She's one of the biggest celebs in the world, but I've never bought her products before, right? Why? Because she doesn't serve my market. Okay, so you can have the biggest you know, following or whatever it may be, but there's always going to be somebody that is not going to be your customer or rather the other other side, there's always going to be somebody that's going to be your customer. So I do believe that it's important to understand who's your customer and figure out a way to just segment them and focus on them or start with focusing on them and look at ways and means to then grow from that, that, that group, right? So A, market research, understand mm. who your customers are and then figure out what's going to make you different. Is it because you've got a relationship is it because your prices are different? Is it because maybe your place looks different? Is it because maybe the services you offer are going to be different? Is it maybe how you attract those customers? So 
maybe you're next door to another barber. Maybe you're going to start doing a campaign with a different kind of um, maybe an older target market, right? Focus on them. Or maybe you're going to do a service that the other barbershop doesn't do. Maybe you're going to do home calls or whatever it may be. So starting to figure out what is going to be your differentiator, and as a business person, you figure out what, you know, your, you do your SWOT analysis, you work out what's your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats, and you focus on your, your opportunities, you know? So I think it's, it's, it's like business 101. Not all of us, including myself, have gotten it right all the time. You just try to understand the principles and try to build on those all the time. I like that. So you find, find your market, um, do your research and then try and differentiate yourself. Absolutely. And then enter and yeah. do your thing. Yeah. Um, that's sick. On um, side hustling still, yeah. Um, so for people who are working full-time jobs, maybe they have other commitments mm. um, like yourself mm. and then wanting to, you know, start up something on the side as well. We want to increase their revenue, et cetera, and that yeah. kind of thing. Maybe work on a passion project and turn that into revenue stream later yeah. on as well. How can people practically do both especially some you know some mm. full-time jobs are demanding as well very. how can you practically like manage your time and yeah. do both things it is i'll be very honest and i want to like my disclaimer here is it is challenging right but if you want to achieve anything you just got to do it you just got to make it you just got to make it happen so practical things right number one your full-time job probably take and a lot of us now have hybrid positions we now have you know either work from home remotely i know there are people which I'm a bit jealous about, but they were doing contracting jobs. They were doing three contract jobs at the, fa the very same time. I was like, what? <laughs> and they were family people. They had children. They had wives. I'm not going to name these people. But... If you're watching, you know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> I'm like, how on earth did they do three full-time jobs with a wife mm. and three children? You know mm. who you are. So <laughs> if they can do that, and that was during COVID when everybody was just trying to hustle, right? Yeah. So I was thinking, I was asking them, how on earth were you meant to do that? So you just have to get smarter. Not work harder, but get smarter. Mm. And working smarter involves, okay, a lot of us do hybrid jobs now. Okay, fine. I'm not going to sit here and say you need to do another three contract jobs and, you know, when you should be doing your full-time job. No. But think about what's your five to nine in the morning? What's your nine to five? Your, your after your nine to five, what's the the five to nine, the other side, right? So mm. five to 9 a.m. and then you're five to 9 p.m. in yeah. the evening. What are you doing with that time? Because if you combine that, that's actually another full-time job. That's another eight hours. Mm. So what are you doing with that? Obviously, self-care and taking care of yourself, all of that is very, very important, if not equally important, if not more important. But maybe if you're going to carve out in a week and say four of the seven days in a week, this is what you're going to do, then that's what you're going to do. That's the first thing. Number two, outsourcing stuff outsourcing stuff like there are so many opportunities or so many apps out there like fiverr and free like people per hour and other resources that people can tap into to just do stuff on your behalf so you can focus on either your full-time job or the core areas of the business that you need to focus on so even if it's sales you know can you focus, can you leverage some form of affiliate marketing strategy that means that you don't have to be involved so heavily in sales? If it's market research, can you leverage someone on Fiverr to do the market research for you? If it's branding, if it's social media, can you just outsource, you know, leverage what's available to you so you can focus on the core business that you're working on. 
That's cool. You said a lot of good key stuff there. Working smart. Uh, what you're doing with your five to nine outsourcing stuff. And a disclaimer, because I know people are gonna people might listen and be like, oh, five to nine um, commuting. I've seen people say some things as well, and then you hear like you see loads of excuses coming through. Um, and it's not to discredit. Obviously, you know we got demanding life and that kind mm. of thing. Um, but the point still stands that like working smart. So what I try to do as well is like when I'm commuting, for example, in my five to nine time, I got I got my laptop with me right now. Mm. I carry my laptop mm. every day when yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I bring my laptop out on the train. I'm just like editing, editing, That's right. getting things done. Then um, trying to work smart, you know, and utilize mm. the time as best as possible. Mm. And outsourcing mm. that's so key, I think, because there's only so much time we have. Absolutely. Just got to think of ways to work smart, depending on whatever it is you're doing. So mm. that's some um, all a lot of very good stuff. Uh, on the working, um, running the side hustle remotely. So you've got hustles in Ghana, <laughs> like that's even hard to understand how mm. you how you can do both. Like live here, mm. have a hustle in Ghana, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who you, know, you don't necessarily want to run a side hustle and be there physically. You want to run things online whatever in whatever ways they can save more time and that mm. kind of thing um have you got any advice for people who might want to run a hustle online or even in another country like how how did you make that work mm. it is a challenge I'll, I'll be very honest again a disclaimer i like to make things i'm, a, I'm the kind of person that makes things very transparent because it's not that easy but yet i'm still trying i'm still doing it it's all about, for me, systems. Putting in operational models or things in place. You know, when it comes to business, and I always have this saying, in Ghana or Western Africa, or in general, probably across Africa, there's a huge informal sector where there's a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of entrepreneurs. But the thing is, a lot of people are entrepreneurs, but not a lot of people know how to run businesses. Mm. And the difference between those two things are, a business doesn't necessarily require you to be there. Whereas as an entrepreneur, most often than not, you're required to be there. Mm. So I'm a believer that if you're planning to run a business, try and get it to a point where it doesn't necessarily have to rely on you. That doesn't necessarily work for everybody, and especially with your content creator or your social media influencer or whatever it may be, it could, the business could be built around your face. So that could be the challenge. Whereas if it's not built around your face, I try to take myself out of it so that if a customer wants to get something, they're not going to be relying on seeing that you're going to be there, right? Um, so it's a matter of trying to build certain systems and processes that take you out of it. So how can you operationalize your payroll? How can you automate maybe how your social media goes out? Like so you're scheduling things or you're, you're leveraging, as I said, you're outsourcing it. Or how can you outsource maybe your accounting or maybe your, you know, how you are, your sales or your POS system or whatever it may be. What things are you putting in place? And I don't necessarily mean IT systems, but maybe some operations in place that mean that even if you're not around, it will still continue to operate. Now, my disclaimer is, it's always better for you to be around. That is a disclaimer, especially in countries like Nigeria, Ghana, Western Africa, and the broader African continent. Yes, it makes more sense to be there, but where, because of logistical reasons, because of work reasons, you just can't be there. Putting in as many processes and systems in place and ways that there are checks and balances. So if there's sales or money that you need to receive, it's been accounted for and there is some form of loop back, you know, 
so that you make sure there's no money that's been going through the cracks or anything like that. So, yeah. All right. And uh, pro- probably last question on side hustles, unless there's something else comes to my head. Uh, on marketing the business. So that's one of the, I read a report and I've forgotten the exact numbers, but marketing was definitely top three of one of the issues that black entrepreneurs in the UK face with their businesses. It's an issue I face. Like, mm. you know, you want to get your thing out there. You believe you've got an amazing product, an amazing service, and you mm. want to get it out there as much as possible, but it's not reaching as many people mm. as you, you want or you feel as it should. Uh, and I look at something like the UCKG, and I know that um, with that, you um, it's uh, you put it out there. I know you weren't necessarily getting the numbers you wanted to at the start, but I mean, people were seeing it, and then mm. you know, you've grown it and scaled it, scaled it to mm. where it is now, um, and everything else you're working on. Have you got advice for people who are wanting to how how they can best market their businesses or side side hustles? I think this is an interesting question um, because I don't think there's a handful of people that managed to get this right. And a lot of us are still trying to get this right, right? Trying to get the message out there. But then the question is getting the message to who, right? So again, it goes back to the segmenting your customer base. So influencers, and do you know what? Influencers have always been around. They just haven't been called influencers. In our day, it was maybe brand ambassadors or campus ambassadors or whoever, right? I remember those days when Red Bull will be sending their small uh, mini onto campus with like Red Bull like thing over the roof or whatever and getting campus ambassadors like, and these campus ambassadors end up being their influencers so finding ways for partnerships, right? So a big thing is partnerships, right? So if you are doing a podcast, who can you partner with maybe to also leverage their audience to try and get something out there um collaborations like i'm also for example my shop in ghana i love doing collaborations maybe there's someone from the u.s that does a service that we don't do i want to partner with that person right because then together we're stronger we've got a bigger market together right with ugcy again we've been lucky because realistically i'll be very honest with you we don't we still don't have the numbers in terms of marketing like if you go to social media i would love to say that i can sit here and there's thousands of people on my social media right but there isn't but the prop the difference is there is a brand and there's a reputation behind it because it's been going for a while there is consistency behind it right so when you're able to get to a point where you've been consistent a you can get testimony testimonies and test this is this is for any business you can get testimonies right you can get reviews reviews are golden right you can you've got evidence that somebody has used your service or your product and it's out there, right? And then just having people that can speak on your behalf and be a, you know, an influencer, an ambassador for your brand. And that's the only reason why we've managed to be strong. But also, lastly, is building those relationships. And a lot of us might have imposter syndrome or a lot of us might feel not comfortable with just building a relationship with a customer. And I'm, I'm the first to admit that I'm also struggling with that. But with UGCY, for example, I had to get close to knowing some of the, the directors of the universities across the UK, partner with them, influencing them, asking them, could they send some of their gospel choirs to our competition, etc. I was like, hold on a minute, there are football, inter-university football competitions, so why can't there be an inter-university gospel competition that has the same level of support, right? And that's where I've been pushing things from, right? So as I said, it's building relationships, it's having testimonies and reviews and it's targeting very clearly the market that you've segmented. That's really good. Yeah, testimonies, reviews for sure. 
Uh, if you're listening to us, leave us a review. There you go, yeah. <laughs> it helps a hell of a lot. Mm. And I apologise. I realise I said UCKG, not New GCY. Yeah, no worries. And the reason being is because uh, there's a church called UCKG. There is, yeah. yeah oh, you know, if you grew up anywhere, in, I think they've got a lot of branches around. Yeah. If you grew up anywhere in Stratford, yeah. you've probably been stopped by people from yeah. UCKG. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Quite a lot. And yeah. that was in my head. Not to count you. No, no worries at all. But you're not. Everybody <laughs> is an acronym that I can. And now when I Google UGCY, my thing actually comes up. Like you know, yeah, they yeah. say this. What does this acronym stand for? So I'm proud to say that the acronym actually is for us. But um, yeah, you're not the only one. Everybody does. Yeah, I, I hope I haven't said it too many no times. No worries. Yeah, UGCY. <laughs> cool. All right, let's take a step back mm. and yeah? um, relax a bit, and then reflect a little bit. Mm. What are you grateful for, and why? Um, I'm first grateful to god i'm a christian first and foremost um but in terms of being grateful for i'm grateful for the opportunities that have arisen that i've managed to grab i'm grateful for helpers along the way i'm a big believer that you can't do anything by yourself so i'm not he i'm i'm here not because i was able to do it myself but because i had helpers that were able to support me um so i'm grateful for every life that has supported um, and I'm still nowhere near of where I want to be. So I'm still great. I'm grateful for the people that are going to still come and help, you know. Mm. Um, I'm grateful for some of the recognition I've had. Um, I've been named, I've been given an MBA this year. Um, and thank you. Um, and just the various opportunities that have arisen because of me being consistent and obedient from the beginning, right? Um, but I'm grateful for the things that are yet to come as well. That's yeah. great. On on the MB, how does that work? Did you just get like get an email or something? And what was the feeling like <laughs> when that when that came through? Um, immense. Do you know what? I I got to a point where I surrounded myself with people that I wanted to be like. And I remember there's a lady, again, another Ghanaian denter. She was one of the first people that I saw in our community that had received an MBE. And you know, when people go before you you realize you can actually do what they've done. And I'm grateful for people like that, that are quote unquote role models because they were able to show that something can be done. So when I was put forward for it by my mentor at the time, I just relaxed because I was like, if somebody else has done it, I can get it. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, I was honored, I was privileged, but I was like, I deserve this. You know, I got to that level where I was like, yeah, I actually do deserve this. Yeah. That's sick. What gets you excited about life? That's another great question. <laughs> um, one thing that I like is justice, you know? I like seeing justice in the world and justice to be served. Um, so when things, when I'm able to see opportunities in that space, that gets me excited. Um, another thing that gets me excited is just people coming up behind us, coming up behind me that I'm just like, wow, they're doing these things because that's what it's all about. It's about paving the way so that other people come up behind you and able to do the same, if not greater than what you've accomplished, right? So that just leaves just a great landing ground for our future children, right? That's what gets me excited. If you could live one day of your life all over again, mm. what day would that be and why? Wow, okay. A few different things go through my head. Can I say a few or it has to be one? You can say a few. I'd love to go back to the day I was born just to see what it was like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? I would love that. 
Um, I would love to go back to the time I graduated from university because that was a time where you felt like, oh, the next five years, I'm going to be a millionaire. Like, I'm going to accomplish everything. So knowing what I know now, I can go back to when I graduated and put in the things to get me to that level earlier. So that's what I wish that I could also do. Um, and then lastly, is every time I've met somebody of influential capacity, now, in hindsight, figuring out a way how I could have used that opportunity a bit better to my advantage, yeah. Great, perfect. And last question, as we prepare to wrap up, mm. what does the next chapter in your story look like? Yeah, I think I'm at a point now where I really want to kind of double down and focus on key streams, um, but also growth. I think identifying growth strategies for University Gospel Choir of the Year, taking it to another level. We've done 10 years. What's the next 10 years going to look like, right? I'm excited because we work with young people. There is, and it's university, so there's always a fresh intake every two, three years, which is amazing. You know, not many people get the opportunity to work with, you know, a high turnover that that's within their target group. So I'm just excited to see what a scaled or a growth um, version of university gospel choir of the year looks like, um, which is my passion project from the beginning and has got me to where I am today. So I'm just looking forward to seeing where that will take things, yeah. Great, perfect, that's that. 1,000 voices all yeah. done, all wrapped up. Thank you very much for Thank coming for to the podcast. Thank you for having me. That was amazing, man. Thank you for coming on. You just dropped like a million gems. <laughs> billion gems, like <laughs> side hustling 101 right here today. So thank you for coming You're on. You're very man. welcome. Appreciate You're very that. welcome. Before we wrap up, mm. have you got any final words? And also, if people want to keep up to date with yourself and what you do, how can they best do that? Final words, I'm a big believer. If you've got an idea or anything like that, just start now. Don't wait, you know, till you feel like you've got everything, all the I's dotted, the T's crossed, etc. Just start now. I wish, as I said, I wish I can go back to when I was 18, 19, you know, and just change things up a little bit. Um, so just do things now. And then secondly, where you can find me um, on pretty much all social media platforms at Lorraine H. Wright. That's L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-H-W-R-I-G-H-T. So pretty much on all platforms, yeah. All right, perfect. Lorraine Wright MBE on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I checked out that profile before this podcast. So <laughs> thank you once again for coming to the podcast. Mm. You heard it here, people. Don't wait until things are perfect. Just get started. Don't be like me and wait two, three, four. I don't know how long it took me to start this thing. Don't wait that many years. Just start and perfect it over time. Things will get better over time. Mm. Thank you once again for coming to the podcast. Uh, please do leave us a review. It really, really does help us in amplifying the voices of these people that we're getting on. We're trying to interview 1,000 inspirational black people, put out these um, inspirational stories and just amplify some positivity. There's too much negativity out there. So please do leave us a review and let us know what you thought about this episode. Thank you for tuning in. That's that for now. And until next time, people, we had Lorraine H. Wright MBE. This is 1000 Voices. And for now, we're out. <laughs>